Welcome to Agile Talks, a show for and by Agile enthusiasts who share new ideas, challenges, thinking, and innovation. Join us each week as we talk with thought leaders, join in on our panel discussions, and explore and develop your growth mindset. Now, here's your host, Chris Puglisi. First of all, I want to thank everybody for joining uh, Agile Talks panel discussion. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, mechanics without mindset. I'll get into a little more detail about what I mean by that. Uh, but first, I want to introduce uh, our two uh, other panelists. Uh, I'll start with uh, Dr. Ron Darnell in Texas. Um, Ron and I have worked together for a number of years off and on, um, including over at uh, Dex Media, which uh, turned into DexYP uh, for Yellow Pages, right? And then um, over at uh, Sony Pictures and Entertainment, where he came in as a consultant on a short-term engagement um, as an Agile coach. And I'll let Ron uh, talk a little bit more about himself in a second. And then uh, John Hill. And John and I met over at Sony Pictures, uh, who's another uh, Agile coach. Uh, and over at Sony, we called him the Wikipedia of Agile, because his ability to cite authors and references uh, since uh, the Agile Manifesto and, and Chrome were developed is really astonishing. So uh, welcome, guys. Good to be here. So, um, Ron, why don't you explain a little bit about your background, and then we'll let John have a, uh, a minute or two, and then we'll uh, get into things. Well, as, as Chris said, we've worked together for over a number of years, and, and DexYP is now called Thrive, by the way. Thrive. So change their name again. Um, and I've been doing Agile, or working in Agile environments, I should say, since about 2005. First, first Scrum project I worked on was back in 2000 three, maybe something like that. It's been a long time ago. And uh, I've done a number of these transformations and, you know, they're difficult to do and um, they have, the results are mixed. And so hopefully we can talk about maybe some ways to make that better on this call. All right. Thanks, Ron. And uh, John? Yeah. So I've worked with both Ron and Chris. I've been at Sony Pictures since March of 2017, so a little over two years. And I've been practicing Agile, mostly Scrum, since 2003. And I've got all the certifications, including the scaled Agile stuff and large-scale Scrum, less, and Kanban management professional, all that kind of stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks, John. So um, today we're going to talk about um, like to call uh, mechanics without mindset. So John had sent out uh, a recent article from a fellow by the name of Gil Brezza, um, which was essentially talking about um, the continued uh, focus on what I like to call mechanics, and he cited mechanics in his article, uh, but more of the process side, the, the doing of, of Agile. Um, so by that, I mean the focus and optimization of the practice, um, the delivery framework, Scrum, Kanban, Kanban, XP, you know, name your delivery framework. And, but yet, Gil had noticed, and I think we can talk to this a little bit, that 
regardless of how many sprints or how many iterations a team had been going through in uh, practicing the mechanics, how much focus was spent on that, the teams were kind of just checking boxes along the way without really uh, practicing and seeing the benefits of all the other facets of being agile. And there's a huge number of reasons that lead to that. Um, Gil went on to say in his article that really um, there's not enough focus on, you know, the quote unquote mindset um, portion of agile. So servant leadership and safety and uh, a growth mindset. Ron and I have talked about this a lot, a lot lately. Um, growth, you know, basically equals, you know, agile mindset. And by that, we mean more of a learning culture, experimentation, uh, accepting and learning from failure quickly, and uh, more towards the effort um, that you're putting in to, to learn and grow. And that's where you really start, and it which ultimately results in happier teams and, and leads to and higher productivity. So, this was really for us uh, a, a jump off point and uh, you know, Gil's article that is, and I think we've all seen it. I've certainly seen it. Um, I just left uh, Sony pictures on Friday. Um, I had resigned a couple weeks back and, you know, I had some interesting and, and very transparent exit interviews. And I've talked a lot about that and some people that I talked with there um, really agreed with the fact that, um, those things hadn't been focused on and there's only so far we can go to uh, an agile, you know, in this agile transformation, at least at Sony. And uh, I like to think of it as a difference between, you know, um, an agile transformation at the, you know, at the team level, all of our teams are doing things to true business agility, where it's really ingrained in the ethos of the company. Um, it's practiced and evidenced by, the senior leadership team all the way down to, you know, the managers and the people. So um, let me, let me hear from, uh, you know, from, from Ron maybe first on his experience, what he's seeing out there between, uh, you know, the mindset and the mechanics. Well, the mindset, uh, you know, you've got to have that growth mindset if you're going to make this work And um, typically a good indicator of someone that does not have the growth mindset is going to see, uh, you know, experimentation as a waste of time, basically, you know, they're, they're goal oriented. They're not willing to uh, go through the iterations of developing or innovating, and they're going to want to maintain the status quo, basically. And I've been in several organizations where they just go through the motions. They do a really good job of having their standups. They do the retrospectives, but they're just, like you say, checking off the box. There's no mental change going on there. They're changing <coughs> what they're doing, but they're, they have the same mindset they had when using traditional methods. Um, I've been reading a, a, a book by Stephen Denning. He talks about agile management, and he talks about how it takes uh, the, the, the mindset has to come from the teams, and then it has to be supported from the top down with, with uh, incentives and, and you know, rewards, payment, change, change the way you compensate people and things like that. And I think a lot of what I see is they, they want to maintain their existing bureaucracy and the pay schedule they have. And so there's really no incentive for these people to change. They're just doing what they're told. And I, and I see that a lot. And what happens is, is after the transformation coaches leave, they bring in these consultants and they spend lots and lots of money 
uh, and then within a few months they're reverted right back to the old ways of doing things. So, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of wasted time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. John, what are you seeing out there? I'm seeing the same patterns. You see the, these um, leaders, they've lost sight of the four agile values and the 12 principles. So they don't have the right mindset and the decisions that they make don't take into account all of those principles and practices that they should take to take into account. Like Ron said, the whole different way of um, even um, hiring criteria for people, uh, rewards for people, you know, focusing on teams versus rock star individuals, all that kind of stuff is missing. They're just checking off the boxes and, you know, they've lost sight of the uh, rest of the things that are needed to implement agile properly. They're not looking at, you know, a multitasking. They've got people working on too many things a lot of the time. And, you know, they're just, uh, they've lost sight of the uh, foundations. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of things I'm seeing out there too. And I think those are a lot of things that, that Gil Rosa cites in this article. And I, you know, as part of my exit um, interview process with Sony, I mean, those were some of the things that I was bringing up as well. And it was, you know, if you, people tend to replicate, you know, um, the patterns and, and, and attitude of, you know, their, their, their seniors, their superiors, and the managers all the way up. And some of the most successful agile, agile transformations that I've seen, you know, they've instituted and really, really supported uh, continuous learning. Um, some companies like Google and Facebook give people a full day every week to just go work on whatever the hell they want to work on. I mean, talk about, and then, and then they walk around and, you know, from the CIO down and the CEO down, what are you working on? What can I, how can I help you? You know, let's see some of your ideas. You know, and that's really where the innovation I think happens. And you have all these talented people, but you're, you're not giving them the space and the time. Um, you're not willing to invest in that experimentation. You're not willing to invest for, then to continuously learn. Um, I've seen other companies set aside half a day on Fridays where all they can, all they do is they stop working. They actually, you know, cannot work on anything. They can take what, you know, join webinars, go to classes, read books and blogs, etc. But it's really, really enforced. And I think that's a missing component, component to you know, developing a learning culture. The other time, the other thing is in, in the safety environment, but you know, the way that even a superior, a manager or a VP or a CIO is responding to people um, when they have bad news, you know, people clam up, it's not transparent. So, you know, you know, all those things, but, you know, I think, and I definitely want to hear from you guys, what you think, you know, can, can help. What are, what are some things that you've seen out there more specifically for in, in a practical setting that, you've witnessed from senior leadership down um, from safety, from a, a learning organization or a learning culture, et cetera, that you've seen out there and, and some ideas that you've, you've had, you know, along the way that you think could help, um, you know, help with that, help drive that and make it part of the company ethos and the company culture. Ron, you want to go first on some ideas and what you're thinking? Well, I think the first thing is, is the teams or the, the, ind the individuals within the organization have to feel like this safe space that we've talked about in other calls. 
they have to be able to feel safe to make this change, you know, to, to fail and learn from that failure and not be um, ostracized for it or, or punished for it. They need to feel like they can, can make those changes. They have to feel empowered to make decisions and um, the decisions have to be respected. And then the management needs to change the way they incentivize. Ultimately, they need to change the way they incentivize people because if your performance is measured by some antiquated uh, objective that's no longer valid, uh, you're, gonna bowl, you're gonna go right back to how you're getting paid. Um, and so for me, I think that's one of the big things. The company where I'm doing some work at now has just started on, on that journey and they, they have spent probably the whole past year working with their HR department to come up with uh, new ways to uh, incentivize people that uh, to, it's at the team level now and they're, they're valued by their team, how's their, how their evaluation is going to work out. And uh, that's, that's an interesting concept. And it's new to me because most places I've been, they don't take, they don't take it that far. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that, that's, a, that's an, an awesome strategy, I think. Um, you know, and if they're supporting that and giving people the space and investing in that, I mean, it's just going to really help change that anti-pattern into a positive, uh, you know, growth mindset pattern. Yeah, I have a similar experience. I was at um, Cisco for 14 months before I went to Sony, and they actually had leaders that made sure that the teams were the right size, that the team members weren't reporting to a scrum master or a product owner. They also had HR redefine all of the existing job descriptions to be different within Agile and even the um, criteria for hiring people. It was no longer like, uh, you know, balancing multiple things and all that kind of stuff. It was more helping others and, uh, you know, making teams succeed and all that kind of thing. And another thing they did that was good was they actually brought a lot of the offshore people onshore. So that helped the work-life balance quite a bit. They sometimes had like one UI person or UX person that was, you know, in a different country. And that required the team to have to have scrum at night or in the morning. And by changing that, um, you know, by bringing that person onshore, it really worked a lot better. And we were really able to make some good, Good progress there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think those are all good ideas. Well, another thing that, that really helped at another organization I was at is the uh, management, so to speak, was was outcome. It, they really did practice the, we tell the teams what we want done, and it was up to us to figure out how to do it. And as long as we were keeping the customer happy, they stayed out of the team's business. So we could have you know, if we, if we wanted to go offsite and have our planning meetings or whatever, they, they didn't care. As long as the uh, customer was happy, uh, it was great. And that was the kind of freedom that they needed to experiment. And the team got very, very innovative and they got very, very productive if they just left for themselves. Yeah. Um, That's it. The manifesto, a, trust the teams to get the job done. Yeah. I had a really interesting conversation maybe a year ago or two years ago. I actually posted a little thing on my LinkedIn thing about it, but I was sitting there with the new scrum master. She was from Zambia, Africa. And um, she was talking about a trip that she had made with her daughters uh, to the zoo here in Dallas. And the zoo here in Dallas is like 
old school zoo. It was at the time anyway. And she was complaining about, she was talking about how unfortunate it was that these animals were in these cages and that she noticed how lethargic they were and how they didn't seem to have any purpose. And she was contrasting that to how the, in her, you know, the big, they got those big reserves in her country that are just, you know, thousands and thousands of acres and the, the lions and everything are all kind of in their natural environment. And she talked about how alert they were and how alive they were. And we got the, later in the day, I had this, it was set in a meeting where they had, it was a safe and safe team. And the, the, what, what they call a release train engineer was complaining that they weren't meeting their, the scrum team wasn't meeting their velocity goals and that kind of stuff. And so they kind of said, well, you know, we want to help. And to help, we're going to make you do this uh, bi-weekly health check survey thing. And you could just see the exhaust, just the wind go out of these guys, you know. And it, re and she, it reminded me of how my, my friend had explained these animals. And I call it scale -cosis. You know, the teams get so caught up in this process that it just steals all of the joy from the work out of them. And... Uh, so that was one of the observations I had with her. It was very interesting. Yeah, that, that actually is really interesting. And, you know, what I've been uh, pointing back to uh, time and time again with all this, I think a lot of organizations are still continuing to miss the boat on is, you know, what's the first principle in the Agile Manifesto? Why are we all doing this? You know, it's people over process and tools, but there continues to be so much focus on process and, Clearly, not on a focus on you know happy teams needs to you know less turnover, um, you know definitely higher and longer retention rates and you know more productivity ultimately. Um, but yet it's so it's catastrophically overlooked, and you know I think that with a lot of the attention it's getting now, I'm actually happy to see it because a lot of people are now saying, oh wait a minute. You know, there's all these other facets to these transformations, you know, and, uh, you know, I think, John, you could, you could probably, uh, it's gotten slow. Oh, it's got, it got slow for you. Um, John can, you know, I think you could support me on this, but you know, our, I mean, it just seems like in, in all too, all too often, you know, CIOs and senior leadership are just saying, Hey, Let's, uh, let's check the box and do an agile transformation. I think just rolling out Scrum or, or Kanban is, is, you know, we got 65 teams or 70 teams doing it. All of a sudden now we're, um, welcome back, Ron. Uh, all of a sudden now we've got all of our teams or, or the tipping point as you define it, you know, more than half of our teams are practicing Scrum. So we're doing great in our transformation. Yeah, you're right. A lot of the leadership doesn't get it, and they're still focused on the wrong outcomes. They want to, you know, they're looking at uh, Agile as a way to do headcount reduction and cost reduction and, you know, losing sight of getting to market sooner and doing all of the things that are really the more important reasons for doing Agile. A lot of people have the traditional viewpoint of just, you know, trying to uh, cut costs and, you know, look at Agile as a way to so a lot of uh, leaders think that agile is like uh, the waterfall going really fast. Yeah. They it's don't think, uh, you know, that to me is really playing the short game, you know? Yep. And I think if you play the short game, you're ultimately 
going to you know lose people not reap all the benefits of a true reaching true business agility but if you focus on the long game with the people first you know that's how you're going to build a truly agile organization that people want to work at and love what they do and feel supported they can grow um you know and i think that's the difference what do you think ron yeah they need to like i said they need to have the the right safe space the right incentives um the management needs to trust them to get the job done. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. You know, one of the principles of Agile. Uh, yeah. I don't know exactly which principle it is, but it's, uh, it's you know, out trust there. them to get the job done. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because I think everybody hits this barrier in their transformation. You know, it's obviously an easy place to start. Um, it's something that you can measure right away. You know, it's hard sometimes to measure team morale and, and things like that. But it's, um, you know, it's something that I see even in, you know, senior, like, like again, I go back to senior leadership. I, I definitely feel it has to be not just supported by senior leadership. You can't just have a senior leadership team at the C-level saying, we support you learning. We support you growing. We support you experimenting. They have to really, really, um, they have to walk the talk. They really do. Even in their behaviors, when you, you know, most people are you know, twitching in their seat when they're getting in front of a meeting or they see the CIO in an elevator and, you know, he asks how a project's going and he's, you know, all stoic and very tense and they're, they're scared to deliver that news. But that bad news, if they have bad news, you know, or they have an idea, they've got to take that and they've got to, you know, Basically, they have to start to practice and adopt a growth mindset themselves. I think that's the only way it'll trickle down throughout the organization. Without that, you're capped on how far you can go with an agile transformation, quite frankly, until those people leave and there's a new, you know, new leadership team in place. Well, most of these people have been successful in a, in a what I call a tournament hierarchy business, like, a, uh, you know, they work their way up the level by winning like a tournament. And so that's, that's what they're used to operating in. And anything that comes in that's different tends to threaten that. Right. And they may want to do agile because they're getting pressure from, you know, the internal people or maybe even, even customers, but they, they still uh, a threat to their way of doing business. And it's a change. A true agile transformation is a complete change of the organization and it it creates a cooperative hierarchy not a not a tournament hierarchy the cooperative hierarchy is based on collaboration not on competition and right. so these guys have to get uh and, and they have to change the way they they view uh, their role and they have to become uh, more servant leaders and uh and one of the one of the books i've read that i think it was general one of the generals in Iran, Iraq or someplace, he had to transform the people out there in a more collaborative, like a big network of collaborative, collaborative teams. And he said he had to feel more like a, like a gardener than a uh, commander. And so he had to change his mindset like that. And it was a difficult for him to come up with, come to. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. You know, anything that maybe, um, you know, when they feel a, a sense of discomfort with, with these changes and they've worked so hard, you know, and they're used to operating a certain way, it's, it's very, very difficult. 
And I honestly think the hardest part of these transformations is working with senior leadership, working with those upper level, you know, management layers to, um, you know, change their mindset or, or help them get towards, you know, adopting that mindset. John, what do you think about, uh, you know, the leadership down? And Yeah. Can, can you hear me? Yes. Can you see me? I lost the uh, visual, but. Yep. We can see you. I can. Any, okay. Anyway, um, a lot of the leaders got to where they are now because of the behaviors that Ron cited, you know, they're used to performing heroics. They're very command and control. They crack the whip, they get things done. They, uh, you know, take responsibility for others' work, that kind of thing. And until they can shed that whole thing, there are a lot of scrum masters and product owners even that I know now that are rewarded more because they're um, more like a project manager that's, you know, making, keeping track of everything that everybody's doing. And, and that just deflates the team and it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a huge problem out there. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that there's more literature, there's, there's books out about, you know, uh, you know, growth mindsets and, and agile mindset and changing your behavioral patterns and things like that. And, you know, people, I think, are listening. People are seeing it, even people internally within an organizations. But it's a hard thing to start because there's so much resistance to, to Ron's you know, points. Certain senior leadership, if they don't change, it's just not going to happen. It's just, there's no way. It has to be, it literally has to be baked into the ethos of the, of the organization. And without it, it's not going to trickle down. And these people, like... Some of the folks that I met with, you know, exiting, that they really want this to happen, but how do they get it? How do they frame it? You know, how do they sell it to, to senior leadership? And you see, we're so focused on metrics. It's just, unfortunately, right now, it's the wrong metric. It's lead time and yep. work and process time and things like that. Very process level metrics. And without seeing organizational and cultural type metrics, you know, it's like, where do they start? So a lot of it just gets kind of, you know, they don't feel safe to bring it up. And it seems like a, a massive endeavor. You're right. It's an interesting oh. picture there, John. What? <laughs> what are you I seeing? Know. I don't know what we're seeing. <laughs> yeah, know. Looks like your shirt. I don't want um, to guess. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I closed the thing a little so some. <laughs> Well, Chris, I think it's an opportunity for uh, coaches all over the world. And there's a, you know, we've been talking with our friend Kyle about his diamond thing. And one of the places is this, this executive layer of management. They need, I think they've been kind of left out. That kind of just, if we just assume that, you know, they're going to, uh, you know, they're spending this money, they, they ought to uh, get, get, get in line, but they don't, right? So there's an opportunity, I think, for us as coaches to help those people uh, to do that executive level. And it's a different approach, I think, than what we would do with the teams and maybe even with the scrum masters and, and you know, some of the other like product owner type people. It's a, it's a different kind of way to get to coach these. Because I do think mindsets can be, uh, you can acquire a mindset. And most of us have different, you know, one thing we may have a growth mindset. In another area, we may have a fixed mindset. And so we're, we're malleable in that respect. 
And, and I think there's a great opportunity for, for coaches uh, to, to help this along mm-hmm. and become more focused on that level. Because I think our, in ourselves, sometimes we get hired in and we come in and they say, hey, we want to transform to Scrum. And I don't think they really understand what transform means. I think what they, what they mean is, what they say is transform, but what they do is transition. Right. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that's where I think there's a good opportunity for us to work with people in the higher levels of management to coach them on what, how to to acquire this fixed mindset, this uh, growth mindset that need and and, and when to have the fixed mindset, because there's still a good role for managers you know, they, they got to set the direction. They got to, they have, you know, there's still budgets and contracts and all that stuff to deal with, mm-hmm. which may require a fixed mindset. But when it comes to how you delight your customers, you need to have a growth mindset on that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. People focus on the software development methodology a lot of times and lose complete sight of the organizational requirements for trusting people and all that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for people that do what we do to uh, maybe start managing up a little bit uh, yeah. instead of the horizontally like we usually do. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, I think that, you know... Uh, Are you all still there? Yeah, we're here. Can you hear us? I can't see anything, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ron, you back with us? Oh, you just froze up. Okay, he'll, Ron will be right back. So, yeah, I mean, I think Ron brings up a, a really good point. You know, it's the, it's the bottom-up or, or top-down approach, where bottom-up focuses on the process and getting teams to do X, Y, and Z, do the mechanics. Um, and the top-down is more of how, how are we, you know, how are we managing and how are we thinking about things? And how are we, um, uh, you know, exposing that to the rest of the organization? So... I think you you really I, I see a turn right now, and I see that you know the, you know even the most late the, the most recent uh, state of agile report that just came out last week, you know cites that time and time again. It's um, you know and I think John, you read through it as well, and and it was you know all of a sudden you know number three on the list behind reducing you know costs and and and. Um, um, I forgot what the second one is, but the third one was, you know, happier teams. Yeah. Which is awesome. uh, Over the years, this is like the 13th year of that report. In the very beginning, it was the opposite. It was like cost reduction was the most important thing. And and now it's going the other direction. Like the right stuff is finally um, bubbling up to the top. It is. Yeah, it definitely is. But I think as Ron said, there's, you know, tremendous opportunity for people like us who do what we do. Um, to start, you know, advocating and campaigning for some of that change. If no one else is going to do it, we're, you know, at, you know, enterprise agile coaches, even scrum masters are, you know, starting at that level with their teams. Hey, why not work on some of those principles and, and, and work towards getting people more into, you know, a growth mindset. And as, as Ron said, there's a place for both fixed and, and growth. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think also um, another good thing we just began to do at Sony, we have these leadership um, sessions where we go through all these scenarios and people really think about different kinds of behavior and all that. But even more importantly, doing the psychological safety stuff we're doing with the teams, 
to see how much filtering they have to do when they communicate to other people. Yeah, 100%. Get rid of the filtering and get the transparency to be, you know, um, not punished and all that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So Ron just joined back. Let's see. I don't see anything, but you guys said you can see me. Ron said he just saw my shirt before, but because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. Okay, it's hard for me to tell which Ron is Ron. I got two Rons here. Ron, are you there? Yeah, I'm going to leave and come back in, so I'll be right back. You're very quiet. <laughs> that's because he's in Oklahoma, and that's far away. It could be. Let me take uh So Chris, how many other people are on the call? I don't see the numbers anymore. Did you see him before? Yeah. Yeah, I don't see all I see is a big screen that says Zoom. Oh <laughs> I don't see any pictures or any anything else. So Well we've only got a handful of people on the call, but again we're we're recording this. Um so any, uh, you know, we're coming up on about 645. Um, I think we had a lot of good discussion about this topic. I mean, you know, net, net, it's you know, something that is starting to get some more focus. Ron, we're just talking about, to your point, that it's a great opportunity for folks like us to get behind it, campaign, you know, um, make sure that at least we're doing our part to, you know, raise awareness of this and the importance of it. And, uh, you know, build the relationships where we could affect some of that change and, and start those, uh, you know, start some of that. So, you know, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys have anything, uh, you know, we didn't get to a lot of detail about the specifics of a growth mindset and things like that, but you know, Gil's article that we read and I will definitely put this on the website, agile talks.co agile talks.co. Um, along with uh, the uh, recorded webinar here for people to uh, check out at any time. Um, also put it in our LinkedIn group, and Agile Talks, uh, the Agile Talks on LinkedIn. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you guys have any kind of closing you know, thoughts? I mean, uh, I, I think that was a great article by, by Gil. I'll, I'll circulate that on, on agiletalks.co as well, but it's, um, you know, it's something that Regardless, my, you know, my key takeaways from, from this conversation um, and, and Gil's article were that, you know, regardless of how much you continue to optimize at the process level, if there's not systemic change um, in, you know, the mindset um, from the top down within an organization, you really are never going to reap the true benefits of natural transformation. Well, I know I've, it's a statement, but... I've seen statistics out there that say like 70 some percent of the transformations fail. And there are, there are organizations that just keep doing it until they get it. But, um, you know, it's like I said, it's a, it's a long journey for most, most organizations. Yes. And one of the things, I've no, one things I've noticed a stark difference, um, is those transformations that are kind of started out at a, distributed level, if you will, like, you know, within the teams and, and kind of build their way up with support down from the top tend to do better than the ones where you 
sit in an office and plan for three months and roll out this big transformation thing. And basically you're managing the transfer transformation like you would an, an old project. And it, the, in order for the transformation to work, it has to be agile too. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And um, I wanted to put in a plug also for both of Gil's books, his book on the agile mindset really does a much deeper dive into what his short article had. And also the human side of agile is really pretty awesome. That book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think we should, we could do a whole, whole another one of these just on mindset. So. Yeah. Yeah. One, 100%. I mean, I think, uh, like I said, and I firmly believe that, you know, this is really an opportunity to finally, um, you know, for all the coaches out there, those that are, you know, viewing this now, listening, that or that will, um, you know, to really start to campaign um, and get behind and, and, and push, you know, the larger, you know, benefit with these people and shifting from that to that more of the growth mindset, a safe environment, servant leadership, all the true benefits of management transformation. Um, you know, checking boxes on, on Scrum and getting X amount of teams and organization to be practicing. I, I think, I think uh, Ron, Ron said it best a, a little while ago that we are, we're, we're not transforming teams to Agile. We're transitioning teams, you know, to a, just a different way of working. Yeah, the, yeah. the real benefits aren't, just aren't seen, at least not yet, without a, a shift in mentality from the senior leadership down. That's when the, that's when you really start to see the true benefits of what we're out there trying to do. So. Yep. Strongly awesome. agree. Yeah. Uh, so John or Ron, do you guys have any uh, closing comments? Anything you want to talk about? Oh, we got a question. All right. All right. Let's take a question from uh, Surya. Um, so Surya asks, what do you think as a scrum master I can do at my level to make my teams move towards a growth mindset and agility embedded in the team culture? Because with not much support from the leadership, it sometimes becomes practice based and the true benefits are not realized. Great question, sir. Anybody want to take this? Yeah, let me give a quick stab at it. There's a, a really good article that Mike Cohn wrote on situational leadership for scrum masters. It talks about when you first have a team and you tell them to self-organize and you just leave them alone, they don't do anything. So there's like four stages the scrum master needs to go through in order to empower the team. The first one, it's a telling, you're more command and control, but then you um, transition to be a selling relationship, then participating, and then finally delegating. And it gives lots of really important little things you can do. It's um, on mountaingoatsoftware.com on situational leadership. It's about 10 or 15 pages long and it's for scrum masters to um, empower teams. It's pretty good. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and we've got some more, I think uh, Ron will probably want to weigh into this and in, in this and uh, I, I will as well. But um, so John, send me that link to that article if you would, and I'll, uh, I'll post it up in our, our um, Agile Talks uh, LinkedIn group, as well okay. as on the agiletalks.co group. And uh, we'll do Brian, that uh, tonight or tomorrow. 
Awesome. So look out for it by tomorrow, Surya. And then, uh, Ron, do you want to weigh in on this as well? What are your thoughts? Well, one of the roles of a scrum master is to protect the team from outside influences. And so the, the most that you can, can do that to give the team that space they need to work together, keep, keep the uh, workers, if you will, out of the team retrospectives, let the team come up with their own improvement plans, have them own the work as much as possible. And uh, one, you know, you can't, one of the things I see sometimes the product owners get into this command situation where they're demanding what they want. They can talk about what they want, but they don't need to get into the details of how, and that's where you can kind of put up that little force field, if you will, around the team and say, look, you know, you've said your, what you want, we know what you want, so uh, let us figure out how to do it, and, and we'll, we'll let you know uh, if we can do it or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, really good. When Ken Schwaber first talked about the role of the scrum master, he likened it to a sheepdog that protected the flock from the predators and also rounded up the strays. So <laughs> the point about the protection is important. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have much support, um, it's going to be difficult because you'll have a lot of upset uh, stakeholders, you know, these lurkers, as I call them, and, you know, kind of the, the tier two people. They're not the core team members. And um, you need to work and negotiate with them to say, look, you give us a space and we'll, we'll produce results. And uh, if I've seen it probably, I don't know, every time, everywhere I go, if, when I can make this happen, is that if we can get the other stakeholders to trust the team, that trust is rewarded with performance. That's right. right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm going to take a stab at answering this as well. But, you know, I, I think there are little kind of practical things you can do to start, um, you know, uh, just coaching, you know, at the team level towards a growth mindset. You know, um, the retrospectives are, are a good point for that, but you don't have to wait. You know, the main difference, I think, between um, – you know, at least how like Kanban would work is Kanban more of a instant, you know, continuous optimization uh, type of, of, of mindset. So when you look for opportunities to optimize or get better at something, you do them right then and there. You don't wait for the end of a, an iteration to then implement those. But I think what you can do is really um, work with the team to um, you know, when, when, say, for instance, a team commits, and I'm just going to use a very, very low-level practical example, but say the team commits to completing 100 story points, but they only get 60 of them done. Instead of, you know, getting on the team's case about, you know, we committed to this and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, take, you, you could try saying, you know, involving the team to look for, hey, you know, I appreciate everyone's effort, but... We, we didn't come close to achieving what we had all set out to achieve. And why do you think that happened? Gather the feedback, turn it into an opportunity for them to say, Hey, I tried something, we committed, we didn't reach our goal, but what did we learn along the way? And, you know, that's a very good one. And then work with the team, you know, generate some ideas from the team and how they can get better and then let them experiment with that, you know, into the next iteration or, or sprint. Um, you know, let them experiment that in ways to get better. Let them know that it is okay to some not sometimes not achieve everything they set out to achieve, but we're going to work together and I'm going to give you the space and I'm going to give you the voice 
to come up with some ideas to get better. And over time, they will start to look for those opportunities more and more. And that starts to get into more of a growth mindset. So there are very practical things you can do at the team level. You know, engage your team for ideas. Support your team to experiment with some of those ideas. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, don't respond to negative news. Say a story is blocked, you know, earlier or midway through a sprint. You know, the difference between a fixed mindset would be why, you know, coming after, you know, almost reprimanding somebody for a story being blocked or, or something along those lines. But, you know, instead of growth mindset is let's work together. How can I support you to clear this block? And how do we, what can we do working together to prevent this from happening in the future? You know, that starts to think, that starts to give people, um, you know, a safer environment to operate within. And when you do that, you're ultimately going to get more productivity. They're going to take more ownership of what they're doing. Anyway, those are just some ideas off the top of my head at that, at that level. But I think, uh, let me know if that helped. Just give me a, a, a thumbs up or shoot me a little message. But and Chris, there's also another good um, article. I think I sent it out a few weeks ago about when you do sprint planning, don't try to plan everything for the whole sprint. It was like, you know, get 60 to 70% of the plan done. And then during the sprint, you'll fill in the rest of the plan. So it helps you not uh, set yourself up for failure by, you know, committing to do too much up front. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good one. And, you know, I've worked with some teams that um, there's, there's very hard, you know, deadline driven dates, targets that need to be met. And they, they know the work um, well in advance of what needs to be done. So it becomes a pretty fixed structure, but that gets a whole other set of, you know, strategies and tactics. Um, um, so anyway, yeah, I, we can share if John, if you want to share that article I'll too, I'll put it on the agile. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll find them both tonight or tomorrow and send them to you and you can stick them out there. Cool. And you're very, uh, you're very welcome, uh, Syria, for. Uh, yes, for thank you, Ed. One engaged person. <laughs> it varies, but it's good. Hey, I'll take it. We can help one person on these webinars. That's a that's right. That's to me. So, um, any other questions from from the audience? Any ideas you want to share? I can bring you on video or the mic, or you can type them into uh, our webinar chat here. We'll give people a few seconds and then um, if not, if there's any closing comments from, from uh, the Ron John show. Not from John. I'll just send those two links that I think are, are pretty good. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, John. Well, for our, for our inaugural um, chat, it was fun. It was, I, I had a lot of fun and uh, I will uh, share this out. In, uh, if you haven't joined the, Agile Talks uh, LinkedIn group, please head over to LinkedIn, search for the the or the Agile Talks. Uh, join us because we'll have a lot more webinars. We've got some great speakers and interviews coming up that'll be live uh, Q&A sessions. We've got some uh, very key influencers that are going to be coming on the show with us in the coming weeks and months. Um, so I have a lot of cool stuff coming up. And uh, you can also visit agiletalks.co as kind of a jump off point to get to the Facebook group, the LinkedIn groups, listen to the podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So thanks for joining. 
It's great having you guys. I will get this out um, for you guys to share that we're attending, and I will share this out with our we'll share this out with our respective LinkedIn groups, etc. Um, maybe by end of day tomorrow. So I think uh, unless there's any questions, that's a wrap. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Good night, everyone. Thanks for joining. Happy Mother's Day for any mothers out there. I know two of them. <laughs> I do too. All right. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good night. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Agile Talks. Join the conversation in our Agile Talks Facebook and LinkedIn groups, or visit us at agiletalks.co. Each week, we host live webinars with thought leaders, dig deep with panel discussions, and explore the growth mindset. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, and if you did, help us spread the word by leaving us a review and rating on iTunes.